I V M. On this episode of Paisa Paisa, I speak with Gaurav Brasogi, CEO and founder at Kuvera. We are going to talk about the behavior edge for investors, stuff that you can do to give you a better than average performance on your portfolio. So stay tuned for that. Folks, welcome to Paisa Paisa. I'm your host Anugam Gupta, B50 on Twitter, and we love returning guests. And today's show. is kind of a continuation on what on where we left with this guest that's Gaurav Rastogi CEO and founder at Kuvera just a few months ago we were talking about investor behavior this episode is going to be about investors edge how do you approach your investments what are the ways that you want to make that extra money you know whether it's beating the index or getting probably some kind of an extra uh, return over the indices or beating them and outperforming we're going to analyze what are the sources of that how it comes how it doesn't come where we go right where we go wrong and without further ado i welcome my our, our guest for this episode got a welcome back to paisa paisa it's so good to have you out here thank you for taking the time out for us i believe you already gone this weekend back to singapore thanks anupam for having me here you're right yeah i'm i'm flying back Great. tonight actually okay so let's you know let's let's just take off from where we had left in the previous you know when when you were here in the studio and we were talking about how investors behave because a lot of our investments when we buy when we sell the financial plans that we make and the financial plans that we probably interrupt uh, you know this recording is happening somewhere in august and the markets aren't doing particularly well and that itself triggers a certain emotion in us so you've got a nice structure to this you know you've analyzed how we as investors try to get the edge you know that's what the episode is titled investors edge and you've got sources of these okay so let's just jump right in okay what are these sources of this investors edge that we have sure right so i mean at a very high level um there are three different buckets you can think of on how you can get better returns than an average investor right so we are all assuming that every other investor is also trying to do the same so the, the the conflict here is not that you know you're the only one who wants to get higher returns everyone wants higher returns right like you tell someone you'll get 2% extra their eyes light up it's the whole greed thing that kind of drives you to start investing in the first place so if you think about it there are three different things that we think of right the first one is do you have an informational advantage which basically means you get information before anyone else gets it right so um, there's a very famous example pretty much everyone knows of it this goes back to the battle of waterloo the famed you know the rothschilds right so the rothschilds got the information that uh, napoleon had lost the battle of waterloo about 2 days before the government of britain got the information that's how good their informational advantage was so they had a 2 day advantage no one else knew this so what the rothschild did that instead of buying security he started selling bank paper and created the rumor that england has lost so what this created was panic because everyone knew that okay this guy knows something that no one else does if he's selling we should also sell everyone started selling there was widespread panic for two days and then he comes in right before the government gets the information that actually napoleon had lost and britain had won he just buys back all of that paper for pennies on the dollar right so that's a a very simple example of having an informational advantage where you know something that no one else knows and that advantage allows you to take a decision that other people can't just because they don't have that information with them right so 
and just so background the rothschild at that point of time was this hugely wealthy hugely influential hugely powerful banking family, family yeah. banking with this still are you know it's it's one of the few uh, family banks that has survived generations and actually you know built a very big um, big industry out of it so uh, the 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 point also is that this informational advantage has now almost gone away right even in india you would hear this story a lot that you know there was this insider information people would know before anyone else did you know there were some doyens and the lal street who would find out before the rest of the market so you could kind of what they call it in the parlance is you could front run and make money before other investors came in one of the examples that comes to my mind and this is you know uh, quite well known is uh, on the first of every month <laughs> today happens to be the first you have sales numbers coming out from cement companies from auto companies so one way of you know playing the market used to be that maybe 2 3 days before the first you would call up you know dealers or if you knew a few dealers influential dealers big dealers in big cities or might i say people in the company itself <laughs> oh yeah people in the company itself right. and get an idea that okay this month sales have been up or down and then you have a general pulse that okay the market is expecting i don't know 10% growth and you know that it's going to come as a much better number that information that you have from your contacts or whatever you've done is what you're referring to as a information edge exactly and just to be clear is a bit of gray area here today in this era where it's you know, to- it's not just it's illegal now. so sebi has yeah. very strict rules all non all material public information has to be disclosed at the same time right so it's kind of made it very difficult for people to participate in this right plus to do this you have to create an infrastructure to get that information right and i mean it's not easy to collect information so that's that's one source that's one big source it's definitely an advantage if you can create it but it's very very hard to create so that's that's that should be the takeaway and stay within the legal and confines. stay of course yeah. always stay within <laughs> yeah. the legal confines uh, to repeat that's a very valid sure. point stay yeah. within the legal confines right the the second way that you can make more money is by saying that i can analyze whatever material public information that has been released i can analyze it better than everyone else this is an important one this is an important yeah. one this is basically saying i am a better analyst than the average analyst in the market now there are two things that happen here one is that um if you look at india right if you look at the lal street if you look at the number of portfolio managers whose job is to identify these companies you look at portfolio management services whose job is to identify these companies you're competing with some very learned very motivated people and you want to outperform them right because they are getting paid a lot to do this i mean people want to become portfolio managers it's a job people want because it pays very highly and so your claim is that no no i can analyze a lot of this information better by looking at this data which all everyone has now so there's no informational advantage now everyone has the same material public information so the 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 context that comes to mind is what we call the overconfidence bias again it's a very well known bias and it's probably it's it's important for us to have this bias it it allows us to take certain risks to believe in ourselves to do better in life than we would have otherwise done but it also creates this perception that you know what i can beat the average right so um a, a famous example is from the 19 i think 80s in the us where they did a study they found that 93% of the drivers think they are better than average <laughs> now statistically this can't be true can't, yeah i mean but this is yeah. the overconfidence everyone thinks that they are better than average is thought to be as a very <laughs> low bar so if you have the bell curve people think that they're actually on the right hand side whereas the always, average is right in the middle always i mean yeah. uh, <laughs> there is a um, I mean, this is just driving, right? So uh, I think there was uh, the professors at Duke University, right? 
they ran this experiment where they would go to the CFOs of the largest companies in the US and ask them to predict what S&P would do one year out. Not long-term performance, just one year out. Right? And these are CFOs of the large companies, so they have very good information about how their businesses are doing. And CFOs are usually friendly with other CFOs. So you have what you have an idea what competition exactly, is. and you know what you know what the consumption looks like, what the financing looks like. So you have a lot of real data, and and they collected some eleven thousand six hundred such data points. They, what they found was that there is no correlation between what the CFOs think the market will do in the next year and the, what the market actually did. Wow. So. The the point I'm trying to make is that do read about overconfidence bias. Do read about this because we're hardwired like that. We were hardwired like that and it had a lot of evolutionary advantages for us. But in investing, it can actually become like a thorn because you will think, oh, I can beat all of these people. But you know, you might have gone to the best colleges. You might think that you have the right analytical tools or you can write the right code to analyze tons and tons of data people you're competing with have very similar skill sets. I mean, everyone I talk to in the industry, right, a portfolio manager or a portfolio management services, they're impressive people with good pedigree, with good understanding and knowledge. I would think twice, thrice, 10 times before saying, you know what, somehow me sitting in a room or, you know, like doing a day job and also investing can somehow beat people whose day job is to do this. Let's. I want to just go into that before sure. we go to the third point. A little sure. bit in in depth, right? Because I want to just give our listeners an idea of what their day job is like. Okay, now let's say that I am a complete outsider. Right. My day job might be I'm you know I have a you know maybe I'm working in a mall or I'm 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 working in a company and I have my own money to handle. Maybe it's a small amount, but I one fine day I wake up and say. I'm going to handle my own investments and I'm going to like I'm I'm going to beat every fund manager out there. Okay. I want you to tell us. What does an average fund manager, okay, maybe an analyst on the buy side, as we know it, right? What does his job look like? You know, when he wakes up, comes to office, or looking at it in in another way, what all does he analyze? Okay, so that then I know what I'm up against and what I have to do. Sure. So, so one thing is that their entire job is around markets, right? Their friends are analysts, their friends with portfolio managers, their friends with all the senior management of the companies, they will attend every single corporate event. So the numbers are being released, sales figures. So think of it like this. They will analyze all the data that a company has released, which is their sales numbers, their revenues, their sources of sales, their sources of competitive advantages. Then a good analyst, right? And there are quite a few good analysts, will then go and talk to their suppliers. Do these numbers add up? They will go and talk to their customers. Do, do you actually like this product or are a lot of these sales figures inflated, right? So there is this person who's obsessed with this company, right? An analyst will probably have a sector that they are covering or a bunch of companies they are covering. And, and that's to, what... Just to put it in perspective, if you're covering the banking sector, you've got 30 stocks at least. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. but they're all very similar. Yeah. But you are talking to these people, you're talking to the banking in the day in and day out, right? Yeah. Anything that's happening, you know, what's happening on the regulation front, they'll know it. The RBI is going to cut rates, the RBI is going to have a policy, you have to know what's happening out there. Exactly. Yeah. That's their job. Their job is to know everything inside out about the banking industry, create a macro picture on how that compares to where the, where the economy is and what that means for their industry in the near future, right? So... It's it's like you know it's like saying that um, and and, there, and investing is special also and I'll tell you why. You go out and you talk to an 
an individual who works say at a company mm. and you say if you play 2 hours every day do you think you'll become as good as Roger Federer <laughs> or even as good as the 200th rank male tennis player yeah of course everyone will say no way but in investing somehow people believe that they can that by watching some financial news by reading some financial papers by doing a little bit of math in excel they can actually compete and beat a lot of the professionals whose entire job is to do this right and in a large sample of people if a million people believe that they can beat the 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 professionals by just chance by just luck 20 people will hmm. but is that sustainable can you do it year in and year out because the other thing about investing is one year returns don't matter what matters is you know your investment time horizon is 20 years 25 years what matters is how much can you build in 20 so now do you believe that you can do that for 25 consecutive years so again the point i'm trying to make is it's it's a hard thing to do not entirely impossible if someone has of the course. effort please they can go ahead and try yeah. it for that matter but you just need to align your expectations you have to align your expectations and you should not just have this overconfidence that it's an easy thing to do just it it's it's like what you say right like know your competition yeah and treat them with respect yeah. right i mean uh, they are they, they are equally motivated they are equally smart people um so th- that's the that's the part about the second one right sure So if you think about these two that then we say that okay okay it's very hard to get an information advantage it's very hard to consistently analyze better than the average investing public what we are left with the third which is what we call the behavioral advantage and this we believe is a real advantage where so you're behaving smarter than the others where you have better self control mm. you understand the different biases and you have a active methodology to not fall for some of them mm. simple examples you don't overtrade right last time we spoke about the behavior gap which yeah. is when a lot of people will start sips when nifty is at 12000 but they will stop it as soon as nifty gets to 10000 effectively saying that at 12000 i was a happy buyer <laughs> but at a 10000 suddenly i'm scared are you in fact seeing that because we've had the nifty correct So I mean, uh, in small cap, mid cap, a little bit. Uh, most of our investor base uh, has. I mean, so we do also publish a lot of this uh, commentary in blogs and in articles to our investor base, trying to tell them that you know, be wary of this behavior gap, don't fall for it. Um, we are seeing flat, so it's not growing anymore. So mm. I think till about two months ago, it was growing perfectly well. I think July and August, uh, uh, June and July, it stayed flat, which is a pretty good thing given what the market's been doing. um but i think what's also is true and the true test will happen when the large cap falls 20 25% because what is seen as yet yeah you know nifty is down from 11900 to 11000 again yeah. we are in august right now so yeah. uh, early august so it's a it's a 9 10% right 9 10% people are like i am in for the long we run we can take this fear we are in 20 25% I think I'm in the long run but I'm not really sure. Yeah. 30 40% forget long run. <laughs> right so we have to get there to see if the behavior has actually changed but so far the signs are very promising and we say that we say that we say that in our communication to our investors that the signs we are seeing is are very promising people are not panicking they're continuing their sips they're actually increasing their sips our sips per investor is up like 9% year to date. So signs are promising the stress is the stress level is not where we think the actual test will come so we'll see that but this behavioral advantage is a real advantage and it is something 
that anyone can practice. All it needs is a more patient approach to investing, a truly long-term approach to investing. And on that note, folks, we are going to take a small break. On the other side, we are going to go deeper into the third point that Kaurav just said, which is the behavioral edge. He spoke about how to manage your expectations and how to behave properly, so to say, when the markets are going up and the markets are going down. Because while you might not have an information edge or be as you know as good as professionals on analyzing certain companies, the third part is what we're going to delve into more on the other side of this break on this episode of Pesa Vesa. My guest, Kaurav Rastogi, CEO and founder at Kuvera. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. And we are back. This is the Investor's Edge special with Gaurav Rastogi, CEO and founder at Kuvera. In the first part of this episode, we were talking about how you have an informational edge, which actually has become very tight these days. It's very difficult to get when you want to do better than the average. The second thing we spoke about is how you might have some overconfidence bias, you know, which think, where you think that you can analyze a company or a sector better than professionals and you think you can actually beat those professionals yeah, you you know, it's possible, but it's difficult, uh, really difficult. And then Gaurav told us about the third part, which actually is the most practical, most useful, and probably, who knows, even the best way for you to actually beat the average, which is the behavioral edge, okay? Gaurav, tell us more about this behavioral edge, okay? Because as we were just talking when we had gone on a break, there's stuff that I can do as an investor, you know, if I have an SIP or if I actually have... I don't know, maybe I'm holding a portfolio of 10 stocks, 15 stocks. I actually have an advantage, you said, as compared to a professional fund manager. Let's delve into that. Sure, right. So see, what happens is, as a professional portfolio manager, you have to show those returns year after year. You are being judged on an annual performance or a three-year track record or something like that, right? So you have this immense pressure to try and outperform on an annual basis, right? So some of your decisions can then be a little bit more short-sighted or might be driven by factors which are not necessarily best for the long-term portfolio. Uh, a lot of portfolio managers do understand it and they might want to kind of correct for it. But then you're working for larger organizations. That organization might want you to take certain actions so that the returns look better or or they think will make the returns look better. No one actually um, has a magic formula for that, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. So um, as an individual investor, um, if I am 30 years old and I know I'm going to retire at 60, and if I can have this frame of mind where that annual return doesn't matter to me, all that matters to me is that directionally in 30 years, I'll have this retirement corpus, which is big and which is going to take care of all my retirement needs, then I I immediately have this durational advantage because I'm not looking at one-year returns, three-year returns, five-year returns. I'm kind of like sitting tight, enjoying my life, doing really good at what my day job is. Right? Like, you know, sometimes some, someone will ask us, you know, what's the best way to make money? Be really good at your day job. You know, get a promotion year after year, right? Simple stuff. So, uh, that edge is actually very real. And, and you, know, you read these stories where, you know, people will say, oh, you know, my dad bought some shares of Wipro in 1982. 
left the share certificate in the almira and you know now 30 years later we have found it and it's worth like some mad, mad amount mad amount because right? bonus because split and because the stock price went up and yeah. dividends and all that yeah. you add and, all of that and it's wipro right and it's <laughs> done phenomenally yeah, yeah, well yeah, yeah. so uh, but the, the key part of this story is people left it and forgot it they never knew it existed so they couldn't take any action on it and that's actually a behavior it's actually a behavior yeah. it it it's a behavior in the sense that sometimes not exposing yourself to certain kinds of stimulus is a good thing right like for example uh don't follow daily financial news don't follow what the market is doing every day right like i mean if you have your plan in place if you have your sips in place and if you kind of know what your asset allocation is and it is in line with what it should be for your age then just check the markets every 6 months and make small adjustments to your asset allocation your plan is in place you have a long term horizon checking the market day in day out and you know like oh i should buy this oh i should sell this it's not going to on margin create any value and what we have seen when we spoke about the behavior gap it actually creates a 1 and a half percent lag i was just going to ask you that is there any data that actually you know shows that what is the impact of this you know oh, yeah yeah there have been so we know of uh, our, uh, we know of at least two studies that we have we have also written about this um one is a us mutual fund investors i believe 1999 to 2007 where they find that the mutual fund investors uh, they achieved uh 1.5% lower returns per annum than the mutual fund returns itself because they were buying after good years and selling after bad years there's a similar study from norway uh, and that shows a 1.4% per year lag so just by trying to be more proactive right you think you're being more proactive you think that will make you better it actually doesn't and there's another example so i think intel did a study where you check emails uh, a, a, a regular employee will check emails 50 times a day mm. because they think if i'm checking emails i'll be always on top of stuff and that will make me more productive it does not okay. right so sometimes um, it, it might be uh, obvious to think that okay i'll take this action and it's going to be good for me but it's not necessarily true so avoiding stimuli is not a bad thing okay at kuvera how do you guys communicate this okay because i'm sure that maybe you get i don't know phone calls or emails or people on twitter or social media keep on asking you what do i do what do i do what do i do because if i'm not mistaken kuvera actually helps you to sort your goals plan for them and achieve them over a long period of time yeah you know yeah. so this last question that i have is one obviously is how do you guys handle this on on a day to day basis especially in times like these okay i know hopefully by the time listeners listen to this maybe the markets have settled down maybe that's the case uh one is that and i want sure. to end the episode okay with some practical tips on behavior how do okay. you sort your stuff out so first how do you guys handle your investor base yeah. so see for a company like ours right we are a direct plan platform uh, and we are free uh, handling it on a on a on an individual basis is harder but what we do is we write a lot of content around it we write a lot of content around recent events in the market and how to interpret them right for example oh infrastructure funds are up x percent in the last one year but have you looked at the 10 year performance 10 year performance could be absolutely atrocious right so that will give you some sense on okay this could just be a blip in the radar why are you chasing it right so a lot of what we find is giving people relevant data giving people the right kind of uh, uh uh models to think at the right time uh 
creates this impact and for us the easiest way to do it is through content uh, very honestly right? i mean blog we blog about it we write email newsletters sure um and 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 that's how we handle it for us it's very hard to do it on a on a phone call or an individual basis sure. right so um we also think of nudges right at the time when someone is trying to take an action right so when mm-hmm. the markets get volatile and if you're on kuvera and you're trying to sell you will see a message it will be a very subtle message it not not something blinking and all it will be a message that will say that if the only reason you're selling is because the markets has been volatile then read this okay and it takes takes them to a blog where we talk about this uh, some of the same concepts sure uh, idea being that a lot of these decisions to buy and sell are very um instinct instinctive okay. right so if you can even delay that decision making process by 15 minutes right it's like the heat of anger you just have to kind of push it out a little bit mm. to see if that will actually change and saner minds will prevail mm. and we see a lot of that happen people will come to that page but instead of clicking sell they'll click that link and then they will not sell okay. some people will of course continue to sell you mean it's not always that you know people are people wrong you might need cash or something sure. yeah, <laughs> right legitimate demand yeah. exactly and there is a lot of it right i mean yeah. you're investing for a purpose right yeah. it's not like you're investing just for the fun of it right you, you want to buy things you want to do things with that money so you're investing so people might need the money um so we try we try and use these two uh, kind of like you know at the point of action can we kind of give certain context to um, what are good behaviors and bad behaviors and uh, writing content around how to kind of you know think about some of these concepts at least for an investor to be aware that this literature exists that these concepts are out there and what they are feeling what they are going through is not unnatural everyone gets scared when the markets are down it's a very natural thing you know you're losing money hard earned yeah, money yeah 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 so how do we kind of you know overcome some of that um so yeah that's that's our endeavor so you know just the last question um anybody who's investing in the equity markets okay sees these ups and downs 2017 was a fantastic year for small and mid caps last two years have been horrible okay so anyone who's actually who has an sip for the last i don't know 5 years maybe or maybe even 3 years they would so a 5 year guy might at best see you know maybe a plus 10% return lower than that lower than that okay so, most of it is because of one year okay yep, exactly so i am someone who's invested for 10 years 5 mm-hmm. saal ho gaye sir aapne to kuch bola tha kuch ho raha hai right okay right. one is that yep second is let's say someone who's actually invested in debt mutual funds okay i don't know maybe he was sold a credit risk fund for some reason and then things have been gone as per plan So I want you to just wrap up this episode with some practical behavioral tips that would help our listeners at such junctures, at very sensitive junctures where you're about to take that decision that might actually harm you in the long term. Okay, so how should they think this through? Fair enough, right? So a um, couple of things come to mind. One that we talked about, which is um, try and avoid stimuli, right? So which is basically saying don't check your portfolio on a daily basis. Don't even check it on a monthly basis. um if you think you have the right asset allocation if you think you have the right sips just let them run uh you de-risk as you come closer to a goal but otherwise don't mess around with it um it is what it is it's going to go up it's going to go down no one knows when by mm-hmm. the way mm-hmm. right no one knows when it's going to go up and no yeah. one knows when it's going to go down right yeah. so predicting the market is 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 not uh, what you should be thinking of so that's one second is uh, one very practical tip uh, is that have at least two or three people that you speak to before you do any transaction so you have this burning desire and you know you're reading all this news gloom and doom things are going to go bad everything is you know uh, going to turn to ashes so mm. 
I'm going to bail out. Before you do that, talk to two, three people, right? At least kind of give yourself that one day of time where you can, maybe some rationality can prevail. Maybe some, a different thought process can take root in your brain rather than just clicking the trigger, right? Get Pulling the trigger, probably. get perspective, right? Yeah. That's one. Third one, what we, what I personally like and I've also followed is uh, when market gets to a certain level or when markets are going up, everyone will tell you, if it was down 20%, I would have invested a lot. <laughs> now that is down 20%, <laughs> yeah. how many of you are investing? Yeah. So a good thing is to actually write these down and put them in your calendar. Okay. If the market falls to 10,000, I'm going to invest 1 lakh. You know, have this and make it like on the first of every month, there is a reminder that pops up that literally says, on this date, I promise myself, if the market goes to 10,000, I'm going to buy 1 lakh of equity. Whatever the number is. We don't Whatever want to be specific. It could be yeah, 8,000, yeah. 12,000, 14,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just have some, you know, some basis for a certain target. Right. And and this reminder is coming every month, regardless whether the market is going up or going down. So hmm. when the market is going down, you're like, Yo, dude, I really promised myself I'm going to do this. I should actually do yeah, this. Yeah. So... There are ways to try and reinforce some of this good behavior. Um, and and actually, these are the two and three things that do matter. It's not very, you know, we don't also want to make it like a rocket science. You know, you, you, know, you have like a 10-step program. Because no one follows the 10-step program. Sure. <laughs> I won't either, right? So, uh, it's the simple things. It's, it's the simple behavioral stuff that actually works. Um, all you want to ensure is that you're not transacting more than what is required. Um, and you are not paying the behavioral gap, but you are actually earning the behavioral gap. Sure. And that's the that's your edge. Yeah, great. Folks, that is a wrap on this episode, The Investor's Edge with Gaurav Rasogi, CEO and founder at Kuvera. Just, uh, just some notes for you guys, what we spoke about. Okay, number one, uh, three sources of investors, uh, of in investor's edge. First is the information edge. Okay, you might... Uh, that edge is a little bit difficult. You get information ahead of the market and you trade on that. It's slightly gray area. You know, you want to just, uh, you want to take care about that. Not really possible these days. Number two, the analyst edge, you can call it. So, and you know, you can call it the analyst edge. Maybe that you think that you can analyze a company or a sector much better than professionals who do this for a living. Who knows? Maybe you can, but it requires tremendous efforts and you're not sure whether the results actually might be worth it. And third, the one on which we spoke a lot about is the behavioral edge stuff that you can do mentally behaviors okay good habits that can actually get you better than average returns over the long term remember that over the long term the chances of you that the markets actually increase the chances of them delivering a positive return for example if you have a 10 20 year plan don't try and mess with it every time the market goes up and down by five ten percent and stick to your goals and don't, you know, don't force yourself to take uh, any such rash decisions. Gaurav, have, have, have I wrapped that up properly? Perfect. Yeah. Perfect Fantastic. The website is kuvera.in, K-U-V-E-R-A dot I-N. It's got a lot of resources, a lot of blog posts, a lot of stuff that you can read. My guest, Gaurav Rasogi, CEO and founder at Kuvera. And that is a wrap on this episode of Passive Folks, if you like podcast leave us a rating leave us some feedback i'm b50 on twitter uh the ivm website also has a dedicated feedback section you could check out the website and leave us a mail out there to tell us if this worked for you if you have any ideas do let do let us know feedback is seriously important that's a wrap on this episode thank you for listening
No material on the show should be considered as financial advice. The material on the show is for informational purposes only. Please consult a financial advisor before taking any investment decision.